Welcome to Subversion with 1517. I'm your host, Zach Slayback. Subversion is a podcast dedicated to exploring big ideas, pushing against accepted opinion, and, just maybe, inciting more creative subversion in society. This week is an interview by Michael with Dylan Field about hiring, growing your team, and how to find a co-founder. Dylan was a 2012 Teal Fellow and is the co-founder of Figma with his co-founder, Evan Wallace. Dylan dropped out of Brown and met Evan there before the two left to work full-time on Figma. Michael and Dylan explore what it is like to hire for a quickly growing team, how he and Evan met, and what all goes into hiring decisions. You can follow Dylan on Twitter at Zoink, Z-O-I-N-K, and Figma at at Figma Design. Subversion is brought to you by 1517 Fund. 1517 Fund supports teams led by young founders with grant, pre-seed, and seed funding, as well as mentorship and a community of hundreds of peers and collaborators. If you're a young hacker, maker, or scientist looking to build your future, schedule a call with us at 1517fund.com forward slash take dash action. That's 1517fund.com forward slash take dash action. Because a real education is a liberation. I'm here with Dylan Field, who was a 2012 Teal Fellow. That's when I met you. Yep. And uh, I thought we'd talk to you about how to find a co-founder, uh, how to f- make those first few hires when you're getting started, and, uh, and how you build a company and its culture. Sounds good. Yeah, I, uh, well, I first found my co-founder uh, at Brown. And so I work on a company called Figma. Uh, and my co-founder's name is Evan Wallace. And he was my TA at Brown University. And Evan was just the smartest, nicest, most humble guy I met there. And when I thought about if I'd ever start a company one day, he was like the only person I could think of that I ever met uh, that I could imagine starting a company. So you didn't even have a company idea. You just thought. Yeah, we uh, we initially applied to the Teal Fellowship, I believe, with drones. Okay, um, I don't remember that. Like a month, thank God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we changed it a month later to Creative Tools and WebGL. Okay. Uh, Evan made a WebGL demo that is pretty famous, and that really inspired us. This is like summer of 2011, so we've been talking about yeah. it for a while about various ideas and things we could do together. Um, and I remember something like that. You could alter images really rapidly, yep, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we started exploring that for a while. And so when we started full time working on the company, we explored a bunch of different stuff. And we didn't know at first what we would do. And eventually, about nine months later, we converged on interface design. Uh, it was something we had considered from the start. Yep. It wasn't something that we knew we would do. Mm. But I think if you can find somebody who you think is, uh, is really on the same wavelength as you, mm. uh, and what I mean by that is, as you start a company, there's just a ton of decisions you have to make. And if the communication costs are high, then you probably have the wrong person as a co-founder. That's a good point. Um, and if they're low, like it was with me and Evan, and you're already on the same page about a lot of things, and you have a lot of sort of same philosophy, uh, then I think it's tremendously helpful as you build things out. What do you mean by communication costs? There's a, you know, actually that reminds me of, a, there's some military strategist named John Boyd. And he said that was one of the key factors oh, yeah? in effective teams was that uh, and, and how to disrupt your opponent was to disrupt their decision making cycle by making it longer. Huh. So, uh, yeah. So it's like he noticed that the teams that can observe the world, develop a theory about it, communicate it to each other and then act 
were the ones that had more success. Yeah. And then the startup point is, you know, validate, test, right. measure, uh, and kind of go from there. Yeah, I think communication costs for me are around uh, you just basically be able to work through ideas very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and also be able to, like, when you looked at product and how product is built, uh, there's just a lot of shared knowledge and shared headspace you have to be in. Mm. So one thing that couldn't have worked is if uh, Evan and I were both obsessed with Google Wave okay. uh, and Google Docs. And the sort of, we had run a computer science department undergraduate group, uh, the CS Doug for short, terrible name, at Brown. <laughs> uh, on, these, on this tech, we had done it all on Google Wave for a bit. We used Google Docs tremendously. Mm-hmm. And because we had that shared context of like, here's how real-time collaboration should work, yeah. that led us to go, okay, we should definitely do this for Figma. Um, if we lack that shared context, if we're like, yeah, we're not so sure, maybe, maybe not, or one of us was on completely the yeah, same page, right. I don't think we ever would have been a real-time collaborative tool. Yeah, I noticed that with Danielle and I, actually, because we had yeah. worked five years on Teal Fellowship and then started 1517. Yep. is like a lot of shared knowledge where we just trust each other in making big decisions. We exactly. don't have to explain it all the way because we can see where the other person's going with a train of thought and it just really speeds things up for sure. I think the other thing is that people have this misconception that their co-founder has to be exactly like them. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's the case. I think that it matters that you're aligned on the really important stuff like yeah. the way you make decisions, the uh, the way you want to grow the company over time, right. um, sort of the things you want to tackle. Yeah, Danielle and I are very different. Yeah, I mean, I have to say it's actually really right? great that we're male-female Yeah, because uh, she brings a different perspective to things exactly. than I have, and, and it really complements. Uh, like, the whole is more is better than the parts. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah, for I think the integrity is the most important part. You have to yeah. make sure that your ethics and morals are sort of in the same right. place. But I think from there, like, Evan and I could not be more different. Okay, uh, what's the biggest difference? Well, for us... Um, I think one one key difference is that I wouldn't say I'm like the world's biggest extrovert, but um, <laughs> but I'm definitely more on the extroverted side than the introverted side. Okay. And Evan is full introvert. <laughs> okay. um, I think uh, you know he's also um, just the way that he kind of like processes information sometimes is a little different for me. Yeah. Um, and the way that uh, you know just our sort of like our skills. Like I'm technical and I was studying computer science at Brown. Yep. But Evan is so much better than I am technically. Oh wow. That very quickly we realized that okay the best use of my time is to do less of the technical stuff and more of company building stuff. Yeah. Uh, whereas his time, you know, he told me right away, he's like, I don't want to be a manager. Mm. I want to go uh, be CTO okay. and and lead the technical part of the work. That's great. And so we were relying on that from the start too. What about handling the ups and downs of things? Like when things are going badly or I mean do you guys find your emotional support, moral support for each other in some way. I think that's definitely true, but at the same time, I feel like we're also offset in our sort of up and down cycles. Okay, yeah. And so a lot of times, um, maybe just due to our roles being different. Yeah. Like, if you kind of graph uh, the y-axis is uh, is happiness uh, <laughs> and the x-axis is time. Yeah. Like, I feel like the natural state of a startup is that you have these sort of, it's like a sinusoidal wave. Yeah, absolutely. And there's sort of these highs and lows. And what ends up happening is... Uh, I think actually they get less dramatic over time. Okay. So it starts off and there's just like these wild vi- volatility. Yeah, yeah, wild volatility, and it's like these longer up and down periods. Yeah. Incidentally, because I think this is why uh, utilitarianism is is false in part. Wait, yeah, be- because <laughs> if you had, let's say, you were going to design your life or yeah. even your startup trajectory, 
and you could choose what the uh, line looked like describing happiness over time. Uh-huh. No one would choose like a straight line at a high number. Oh, interesting. It's like if I wanted a life, like if you were thinking about sports, right? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want to blow out in the first inning in a baseball game. Yep. You want it to be ninth inning, last home oh, run, walk off. Nice. Right, yeah. And so I think in life we want our lives to have this sinusoidal story because that's just more exciting. I think it is exciting. I think what's what's interesting in the case of startups is that at first it's like elongated, right? Yeah. Like over time, I think it flattens all, out. Well, I don't think it flattens out. I think it sort of the um, uh, the height of the wave. Yeah. Uh, is less intense, and so okay. it kind of gets uh, a bit smaller. Oh, interesting. And also, I think it gets. Um, the ups and downs get more frequent over time. Okay. So, like, you know, at first it was like, okay, I would have, like, a bad week and a good week. And then <laughs> okay. it was eventually it would be a year, and it was like, okay, a bad day and a good day. <laughs> okay. And now it's like, you know, a bad 10-minute phone call and a good 10-minute phone call. Yeah. Because uh, it's just like the... This the, fractal like the context, property. <laughs> okay. uh, context shifting is so much greater. Um, <laughs> oh, I guess the, the, the last point on so. utilitarianism yeah. is that the total <laughs> amount of happiness yeah. could even be less or the same. But the, the design of the arc matters. Yep. And so that design is not in the utilitarian yeah, theater. So the theory. The, sort of the, um, so it's like the total the, happiness yeah, is the same. The yeah, you know, but the, the wave is different. That's or cool. the narrative is different. So I think, I don't know, it's just kind of interesting. I like that, that. The story that you want your life to follow is going to be different depending on what kind of expectations you have and the yep. excitement you want. And that's different, I suppose, than the total happiness. And I think the danger for a company is if you do that and then the, you bottom out, right? Yeah. Like if you and your co-founder are both in the same place at the same time, right? you're both very low, you might not get the overall integral. Uh, <laughs> you might end yeah. up having... Yeah, my uh, mom says uh, only one person can be in the crazy tree at a time. <laughs> at a time. That's, at a time. That's the important yeah. part. Yeah. You know, the nature of startups is that there's a lot of people in the crazy tree. But, uh, um, but you the, can't all get there. As long as there at the What do you time. think... Uh, like, what's your advice in general? It sounds like you had an organic relationship with Evan. Yep. Like, if let's say I'm an engineer and I in a dorm room and I have an idea, but I don't know who to build this with. What do you have any advice on that? Where I yeah. should go? I think what's better is even if you can start before you have that wonderful idea. Yeah. And so, what I always encourage people to do, especially if they're students, is to just start working on stuff with people. Mm. Um, if you work on stuff that's Maybe it's stupid stuff that has no market. Right. Uh, that's okay. That's great. Uh, it's, it's awesome to make things. You will learn so much about uh, technical skills. You'll learn so much in terms of just like problem uh, and market identification. Mm. But also you'll learn if you build it with other people who yeah. you like building things with and how you like building them. Yeah. Uh, and I think like if you can do that, so like with Evan, for example, we, we won uh, you know, a hackathon. We okay. had done some basic projects with each other before we went and committed to starting a company. Yeah. Um, you know, actually, so you knew what it was like to work yeah. together in some way. Exactly. Yeah. And we've been prototyping remotely uh, over the course of applying for the Teal Fellowship, actually. Okay. And right before uh, the finalist round, yep. uh, we went all in and decided we're going to start this company. Yeah. Let's hope we get the Teal Fellowship. <laughs> uh, and, um, and basically, uh, so I had some context and I knew that I could work with Evan. Yeah. I didn't know how well I could work with him yet. Like, I think if I had any idea, because we've had just an awesome relationship, mm. and um, I would say there's been very little conflict between us. Yep. Uh, almost none, actually. Which That's is great. Kind of crazy. And rare, I and think. Yeah, it's just like we just work through things very directly. And mm. part, a lot of that's due to Evan. He's just a very direct 
good communicator. Yeah. He's extremely solid and is a very uh, is a very engineer's mindset when it comes to that stuff around, okay. you know, let's solve the problem. Here's the problem to identify it, let's solve it, great, move on. Uh, and Pretty it's straightforward. Been, it's very straightforward. Yeah. There's no drama. And um, I think that's rare that people are able to kind of like work through things like that. Yeah. When, when And then who was the first person you brought on? How did you know you needed to make that hire or yeah. ask them to work? We brought on a number of people uh, in the first sort of six months after we raised funding. Okay. Um, and some of them were people we knew from college. Some yeah. Some people were more industry uh, experienced. With the people you knew from college, it's sort of the same thing, right? Where you, you probably worked on other things with them in the past, so you had a sense of what it was no, like? Not actually. If some okay. of them were, you know, people I knew more casually or socially. Yeah. And then people that I had really worked with. Okay. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I think what's interesting is sort of, in your first few hires, I think one thing that's interesting is that you have to really be unanimous in the first few hires, and then eventually that's like definitely not what you want to do. Yeah, you right. You really don't want to be unanimous. And yeah, so so is, I saw you had a tweet. That's what's prompted me to ask yeah. you to do this interview where it was about this. So in the beginning, it's like you want everyone with any new hire to, to believe in that person, say, hey, I'm yep. going to get along with this person. I think they have the talent. Uh, so, what, yeah, what was that change? You suddenly realized something where maybe that was just too hard to get a consensus on any candidate? No, I think it's not that it's too hard to get consensus. I think it's, yes, it increases the ability to get consensus, increases with sort of the uh, number of people in a room yeah. uh, that are not sort of on the same page about stuff. And there's right. also, like, things you can do before you bring anyone on site to interview mm. to set up for success. Like, first of all, have a job description. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's really basic yeah. stuff that a lot of people miss. Yeah. Uh, we certainly missed it a few times at first mm. uh, when we were first starting Figma. Another thing you can do is you can uh, make a hiring loop doc. Okay. And talk through, okay, here are the people that are going to talk with this candidate. Yep. Here's what they're going to cover. Okay. And here's how you're going to be fair about the process of evaluation. Yep. Um, and also having a good sense of, you know, what's your process for that. I think... At first, when you start a company, it's just so small, and you want to make sure that you get momentum around culture. Yeah. Uh, that you need to have everyone on the same page about everyone you bring in. Mm. But at some point, especially when you have hiring managers that are sort of building on teams, yeah. um, you want to empower those hiring managers to make decisions, even when not everyone's exactly on the same page. Well, so I think it goes back to your first point with Evan, which is uh, maintaining the uh, communication network of the team yeah. in a sense of like the the... The stronger the culture, I think, the faster you can make decisions because there's shared knowledge, yep. shared ways of communicating. And it can be dumb things like yeah. you laugh at the same gifs, but that's important because it represents, like, I don't know, you're on the same wavelength. Yeah, right? or in our yeah. case, we don't yeah. share gifs in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> gifs, 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 whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't that day, but, but no, I like, haven't yeah. uh, disabled our giphy. Really? And Really? Uh, yeah, no, I, I enabled the Giphy integration. He killed it. He was like, this is spam. We're not going to put it in Slack. It's over. All yeah, right. I was like, all right. I well, love Evan, it. Evan, we, I, I refer to you on this one. Um, yep. But no, I think actually it's a bigger point. It's not just communication mm. about hiring and not always making sure there's unanimity in the system. Yeah. Uh, I think it's actually that if you look at sort of the people that will move your company forward the most, yeah. they're not always consensus hires. It's true. Um, and I think sometimes people... Uh, that are sort of the most high achieving hmm. uh, and can make the biggest difference in the context of the company are the people that uh, are a little bit scary to take a risk on sometimes. Yeah. Either because they're junior and unproven uh, or because they're, they're a bit more proven um, but they're very intense. Yeah. And so uh, that's, you know, I'm not saying that every hire should be that way. That'd be a very... Do you think there's a tension between uh, like being agreeable 
and being uh, like super creative. Where like creative people can also be kind of wild and t- tough to live I, I with think it's or a deal stereotype. with. I think okay. that, yeah. um, that creative people are all across the spectrum in terms of agreeableness and uh, <laughs> they're really nice creative people. There are You're of one of them. Wonderful creative <laughs> people out there yeah. that, uh, that are are very agreeable and very easy to work with. So why do you think the like some hires are like the different perspectives? It's like just doesn't feel like a good fit or something for some. Like in let's say it's five people they're trying to decide on a hire. Like two of those people are like, no, this person doesn't really have the skills or something. I mean, what what are those disagreements well, I think about? If, if skills is the issue, then that's easy. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, it's more about when you have uh, when you're not sure exactly what the culture is, or yeah, you're okay. trying to, you have a sense of what the culture is, but you're not willing to evolve it further. Mm-hmm. That's another issue that can come up. Yep. Um, you know, it's a uh, maybe that great. You know, good a market hire, you're gonna. Uh, bring on mm-hmm. someone who's like super aggressive actually yeah and you have a very you know chill product engineering culture you don't want to kill that culture off you don't want right. to like, uh, it. it but at the same time like that might be what you need for the function okay for example um, you know uh, another example is you know maybe you bring on somebody in the engineering side mm. uh, who is um, a bit more uh, visionary or a bit like sees a bit further ahead yeah they're not going to fit into a box okay right? And uh, I think it's really good to have a few people like that on the team. You, know, it's, you don't want a bunch of people that are like these contrarian. Uh, <laughs> like, like they, they have. Uh, you know, I, I always felt that way like, about the Teal offices, where yeah. it's like Peter just hires too many contrarians. And I always thought, damn it, just hire one Harvard MBA <laughs> who knows how to like run a meeting. Or, <laughs> no, I, mean, yeah. I, I think, uh, I, I don't think it's like necessarily a spectrum from like agreeable to contrarian yeah i think it's more like you can be contrarian and agreeable and they're different i think qualities. that's right uh but i think that if everyone is sort of uh rowing against the tide uh, <laughs> you're in not different directions anywhere. that's probably not a good thing so it's it sounds like of, you have a process was that there at the beginning or it evolved as you guys grew as a company as okay um and so one part of our process for hiring now is that uh people can champion okay um and oh that's, that's interesting that, yeah so so it's like i see something and yeah, then so I really see it, and no yeah. one else does. I can say, look, we got to make this hire, and yeah, well, that my vote has a lot of weight on it. Yeah, well, if you're the hiring manager, yeah. um, I think it doesn't happen a ton. Mm. But, and to be clear, right, like you're going to be working with everybody in the room that's making the hiring decision <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. So if you don't, if you, uh, if you don't bring people along with you, like, it's not in your best interest. Uh, so, you know, you, you want to make people bought into the hire. Yeah, that's true. You want to make sure that everybody that um, starts at Figma, that mm. everyone is being supported as they come in. Right. Your first day should be one that's, like, awesome. Yeah, and absolutely. Your first, uh, this is your first week, month, year. Yeah. Uh, and you should be fully supported by the entire team. Mm. Uh, but I do think it's okay for once in a while there to be a case where a hiring manager says, yes, like, we are disagreeing about this part of the candidate. Mm. This candidate can move us forward as a company. Yep. Uh, we're going to take a, you know, maybe we're going to take a risk here, or we're going to uh, push in a way that yeah, I, I just sense it's safe. like you're doing something where it helps you find a diamond in the rough, or people who are overlooked for some reason. Yeah, is or, like, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, the cult, it's like the skills are not proven, or yeah. the culture is, there's a, there's a question. Yep. And then I think uh, from there, it's like you have to, there's a lot of times in the company's history or a company's history where you will need to uh, be able to have people that disagree and then you commit and you go together. And this is one of those times, I think, when that stuff happens. Okay, cool. Well, let's wrap up. Do you have any last thoughts you want to share about hiring or maybe scaling from a few employees to many? 
Oh, uh, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, I mean, I could <laughs> talk for hours about that. Um, I think, uh, I think the biggest one is just uh, to around process. Um, mm. I think that you know having clarity for people that are coming onto the team about what they can do, what they will be doing whenever possible is good. Yep. Don't let it over constrain you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you sort of the natural gravitation is towards more process as you grow up as a company, but you know. The, also, the gravitational pull, uh, sort of, as a startup, is to have no process. Uh, neither state is correct. Yeah. And find the middle ground for you as you evolve your company is, is what's important. Awesome. Well, thank you for chatting, Dylan. Yeah. Thank you, man. Okay. <laughs>